listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 388. I'm your host, Annika Harrison, and with me this week is my co-host Pontus Böckmann. Hallo! Hey son, hey son! Hello, hello! What's up? Oh, nothing much. It's finally a bit colder in Germany, so oh, I'm happy. Oh, it is. I was going to ask if you still have those crazy temperatures that you had last week. No, we don't. It's, it's giving me the breath of life. Okay, good, good. good. <laughs> That's finally colder. Because it's still going on down in Greece. Uh, mm -hmm. It's worse than ever. There's fires all over. And today I saw that the, one of the airplanes that was bombing the fires with water mm. crashed, killed two pilots. Oh, wow. Part of my Australian family were in Greece and they had trouble getting out of the country. Yeah. And, and crazily enough, Swedes are still standing in line to buy tickets to go to Greece. Uh, don't know if they read the news or if they are just... I don't know. That is crazy to me. But they're still, mm -hmm. selling, still selling trips to Greece at the moment. Yeah, it's, it wouldn't be the first time that people do tourism where others live through a disaster. It's yeah, but like it wouldn't be the first time, but of course it's still jarring I and brain dead. Um, <laughs> I don't know but, yeah. if they, how they're thinking or what they're thinking or if they're thinking. Uh, mm -hmm. Very strange. Probably living in a different sphere also that they're like, oh no, I'd have to do my holiday. Yeah. Doesn't matter what happens. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's the typical situation where you think it won't happen to me. I mean, I'm sure I'll be fine. But mm -hmm. how can you be sure about that? Yeah, that is exactly. really strange. Like everyone is the same person as another person. Like we don't, we're not equaler than others. <laughs> yeah. Except for if you're like super rich and can change a company's name to some to a letter of the alphabet. But I won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, X marks the spot, I think. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that's another story altogether. Exactly, one we don't want to delve into. Um, but there are other things we can delve into, which Good. is this episode, for example. <laughs> we didn't really say it, but our listeners will already have heard that Andras is not with us today. Wow. Um, in general and in spirit, of course, he is. <laughs> but yeah. that brings me to the question, Pontus, do we still have a twish, although we don't have an Andras? Actually, we do have a twish because I I rose to the challenge and I found a good Ooh. thing to talk about. So let's do awesome. twish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we have a birthday to celebrate this week. Mm, nice. Rosalind Franklin was born on the 25th of July, 1920. So she, if she would still be with us, she would have been 103 this week. Wow. Unfortunately, she's not. But I guess people have heard. So I don't think that's a big shock to everyone. But she's a very important person. We have mentioned her before many times. And many skeptics are already aware of who she was. She was very instrumental in how we, we as humans, discovered the DNA molecule and specifically how it is shaped. The classical double helix structure that we now all have to learn in school. I have to. I mean, it's fascinating. I'm happy to learn about that. The discovery of DNA and more specifically how it works was rewarded with a 1962 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. However... 
famously or infamously, Franklin was left out of the prize and never really got the mm-hmm. the glory that she probably or the honor that she probably deserved. Uh, instead, the prize went to James Watson and Francis Crick, who is also very well-known people. Mm-hmm. And the commonly reported story is that Watson and Crick built their discovery partly on photos taken by Franklin, specifically the famous photograph 51, not to be confused with Area 51, which is something <laughs> totally different, but 51 it is still. Mm-hmm. So basically the idea is that they stole part of her work and added it to their own work and didn't give her credit for the discovery. And I don't think they did give her a lot of credit But, as usual, it's more complicated than that. Earlier this year, in April, new information came into light about this whole affair. Two historians, Matthew Cobb and Nathaniel Comfort, they published an article in Nature magazine claiming that, according to their research, it wasn't quite as nefarious as we have been led to believe. They claim that they have found letters and written documentation that shows that there were a little bit more open collaboration between Franklin's team and Watson and Crick than we have heard. So, of course, the lore has been that Crick took a sneak peek at the famous photograph 51 without Franklin's permission. And the, this new research suggests that the, the two teams actually shared openly their findings much more with each other. So maybe it wasn't as quite as we have been led to mm-hmm. believe, but uh, not everyone agrees about this. There's an historian called Howard Markle. Mm-hmm. He's an historian of medicine at the University of Michigan, and he said that he's not convinced by this updated story. He has written a book about the double helix discovery, and he still believes that Franklin got, quote-unquote, ripped off Uh, by the others, and that they cut her out in part because she was a Jewish woman in a male-dominated field. And that is not unlikely. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've heard, I think it was Crick that has done, uh, have made quite a few statements over the years that are Mm -hmm. not uh, really um, uh, above (laughs) board, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Franklin, on her part, she left the research of the DNA DNA molecule and went on to do other important discoveries uh, in virus research. Tragically, she then died of ovarian cancer in 1958, just 37 years old. So Mm. she could have, um, we would have wanted her to live for much, much longer. She was obviously very smart, very good Mm -hmm. scientist. But That date, 1958, when she died, is actually important. And that is something that doesn't always get mentioned when you hear about this controversy. Mm -hmm. Was she swindled out of her or tricked out of her Nobel Prize? Mm -hmm. Watson and Crick got the Nobel Prize in 1962. That is four years after Mm -hmm. Franklin had died. And according to the rules, the Nobel Prize cannot be given out posthumously. You cannot give it to someone who, who is dead. So she couldn't have gotten it that that yeah. time. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't have given her more credit. I think that's pretty well established that they mm-hmm. should have been more open, maybe included her in in the in the presentation or whatever. But she couldn't have mm. gotten the Nobel Prize, at least not in 1962. But anyway, Rosalind Franklin was a brilliant scientist who died much too young, and we should always remember her as a key figure in the discovery of the DNA structure. So let's remember her as it was her birthday this week, way back on the 
25th of July, 1920. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah, I, I have to say I also really like the name Rosalind Franklin. <laughs> she just sounds cool. She sounds badass. <laughs> yeah, and, and we shouldn't, for, of course, forget Rosalind Franklin, the rover, the Mars rover, the mm -hmm. European Mars rover. Nice. That uh, was sent up, I believe it was in 2022. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know how it's doing, but I'm sure it's doing well. And in any case, it's named after a brilliant person. Yeah. And uh, Emily Calandrelli's daughter is also named after Rosalind Franklin. Okay. So Who's that? She's uh, <laughs> Emily Calandrelli is a science communicator, um, mostly famous for being the space gal. <laughs> but ah. also she had uh, several cool shows, um, kids shows for science, Emily's Wonder Lab. I've and heard of that, yes. And uh, writes also like science books about this um, little girl called Ada Lace, which is, of course, a, a nod to Ada Lovelace. Yeah. And, and her daughter is also named after Rosalind Franklin. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Happy birthday. And thank you, Pontus, for bringing mm -hmm. that out. <laughs> and now I'm wondering, Pontus, do you have something else you want to talk about in regards to famous people? <laughs> hey. Yes, let me poke the Pope. I wish, yes, ideally, please. we should get Andras back in here and he would poke the Pope. But I yeah. will be both Andras <laughs> and Pontus for today. I hope you can bear with me. Uh, mm -hmm. I just want to mention a little bit about Pope Frank's new and renewed, I should say, uh, attempts to be the big negotiator, the mediator mm -hmm. in the world. Uh, we've talked about, I've, I've mentioned this before, but now he's really stepping up his game. <laughs> uh, maybe it's because he's now too, well, I mean, I'm not saying he's too old to travel himself, but he is, you know, he's visibly uncomfortable now moving about, mm -hmm. so he can't really do what he used to do. And Just then saying he, something because he was the youngest pope, right? <laughs> but Yeah, but he's, he's, qu he's quite old now. He's 86, mm -hmm. I believe. Anyway, what he has realized now is that he can send his minions instead. So that's what he's done. We've talked about uh, Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, uh, who mm -hmm. he appointed special envoy to the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, Zuppi was in Kiev early June. I don't think I'd mentioned that, but he was. And uh, there he met with Volodymyr Zelensky. And then he actually went to Russia, where the Pope has always said he wanted to go to Russia to talk sense uh, with Putin. He couldn't do that, but Zuppi went to Russia, didn't meet Putin, but he met with Patriarch Kirill, which we have mentioned many mm -hmm. times before, mm -hmm. the head of the uh, Russian Orthodox Church. He also met with Yuri Ushakov, I guess I pronounced that fairly right, as, as well as I can, I guess mm -hmm. my Russian is uh, rusty. You know, we spoke it at home, but now I've gotten... No, we never spoke it at home. Yuri Ushakov is uh, a long-time foreign policy advisor to Putin. So he did get to meet some uh, high upish people there. And uh, we don't know exactly what came out of it. Of course, they talked behind closed doors and there officially there was some polite exchange, but uh, we don't know. But what happened then was that Zuppi continued to uh, travel and went to the US. And I don't think that was announced, not a long time in advance anyway. Maybe it was just a surprise thing. He went to meet Biden in the White House. 
and uh, they talked for nearly two hours. And now there is new speculations that the next stop for Zupi is China to try to mediate. Maybe he got a job assigned from Biden there because I know that US is trying to improve the situation with China. They are not have been very well. There's been a lot of uh, conflict mm-hmm. there in the in the last years. Now, so Supi is doing this. He's going back and forth all over the world, meeting with all kinds of people, doing some sort of negotiations. Now, he's not the only one, because the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Pietro Parolin, who we also mentioned quite a lot, he's really second in command after the Pope, in a manner of speaking. He was sent to Armenia last week, I believe it was, and he met with the president of Armenia, who's called... Oh boy, this is... If we have any Armenian listeners, please send in your pronunciations because this is I'm going to butcher. I'm trying to do the best I can and (laughs) the best I can is Vahagen... I I did practice this before, but it apparently didn't help. Mm -hmm. Chachaturian. Vahagen Chachaturian. That's my best attempt. Sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason for Parolin to go there is to talk about the conflict between Azerbaijan and Armenia, uh, because they are in conflict over the area called Nagorno-Karabakh, or Karabakh, perhaps. Mm -hmm. There was a war uh, before uh, about that. That ended, but I don't think the... There's still very, very infected relations between the two countries. Both countries used to be part of the Soviet Union as the Soviet republics. And, but anyway, the message is this week that suddenly Frankie is sending out all these people to negotiate in all these kinds of conflicts. And there's mm-hmm. also talk about going to Israel. And uh, we will see what's happening. It's interesting. Interesting developments. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for poking the Pope and his cardinal again, Pontus. <laughs> yeah, happy to do that. <laughs> and that means we have reached the news. Okay, we mentioned, uh, of course, the climate change. Mm-hmm. It's all actually parenthesis here, or in between brackets, or whatever you say. It's been called climate change for a long, long time. First, we call it global warming. And then it was, no, it's better. It's more diplomatic to call it climate change because it may. I would like to call it climate crisis by now. Mm-hmm. But that, that's yeah. just me. In Germany, we also called it greenhouse effect for a long time. Just, just yeah, greenhouse yeah, effect. Yeah, that's right. Which also sounds way too positive. <laughs> yes, yes, right. So th- now we're in crisis. Anyway, mm-hmm. one person who has been fighting this climate crisis for a, for a long time, famously, is Greta Thunberg. And uh, she was um, demonstrating here in Malmö, actually, where mm-hmm. I, in my the city I lived. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when it was. She was trying to, uh, with, together with some other activists, they were sitting in front of uh, trucks going into the local harbor, industry harbor of Malmö. So they couldn't get in and the police came and eventually they had to carry these demonstrators to the side. They, they didn't obey the police. Mm -hmm. That was the problem. So Greta Thunberg was, a couple of days ago, she was fined for obstructing things and for not uh, obeying the police, basically. She was fined not a lot of money, to be honest. It was uh, about 150 euro Mm -hmm. plus another 100 euro to something else. But so it wasn't too much. Mm -hmm. But 
what I want to mention is that she went directly from receiving this sentence, she went directly back to the same place and sat down again and had to be removed again, just hours after she got that fine. So I, I must say that she got, she's got balls. She's, mm-hmm. she's saying, what she's saying is that, yes, she is breaking the law, but also that the law contains no consideration for future re- generations. Mm-hmm. Crimes against the future has never been defined in in the laws, and that needs to change. You should be able to be prosecuted, and then she's talking about people who are changing the climate by their actions, and you should be able to prosecute people for doing that, or companies for doing that, if it will mean harm to other people, even if it happens in a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. But we know it will create harm, so... I don't know if that will ever legally fly. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know anything about that. It's an interesting thought, mm-hmm, though. Definitely. Uh, that you can commit crimes against humanity. You can commit crimes against your neighbors. But if she's right, you cannot, according to the law, commit crimes against future generations. And maybe that's a, something that's wrong with the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She keeps on fighting. She doesn't give up. And we can only applaud her. Or like, I can only applaud her. Fighting the good fight, basically. Yeah, I, yeah. I think what she's doing is she she is. You can disagree. You could. I know she, a lot of people hate her, uh, but she has a lot of followers as well. She's controversial. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. But at least she's she is taking a stand, yes. and she is very good at getting people's attention. Mm-hmm. And that is that's a talent. Yes, we we need people like her. We need also we need younger people like her, but we also need older people <laughs> like her. We need a lot more people like her, so we can only applaud her and the whole movement she started, and also for civil disobedience in a way. And there's yeah. a place for it sometimes. Yeah, yes, exactly. There is, and other other times there's not. And sometimes uh, people get stopped by the police for way worse reasons. Mm. That's something I want to talk about. There's this a uh, corona activist, a uh, COVID activist and Holocaust denier in Austria. Oh, I like it already. Huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is just absurd. So um, this is not to give you like any insight on a legal case or whatever. This is just an, a little absurd story that I want to share with you. Mm. This guy who also organized several demonstrations in Linz, Austria, against COVID measures, he has um, made headlines again and again. And he's in headlight again because on the evening of July 23rd, he was stopped by the police for traffic control. And his Mm -hmm. three children, pretty young, so oldest was 15, youngest was five, were also in the car with him. And he literally, and I'm quoting, said, I know I'm wanted. I don't have a driver's license and have a dead body in the trunk. A dead body in the trunk. Mm-hmm. And the officers thought that he was joking. He, like, yes, he's wanted, but... Don't the, tell me he wasn't joking. He wasn't joking. So, yes, he was wanted because a legal case for Holocaust denial was still pending because he didn't appear at his main hearing that was last August, August 22. So he was... People searched for him. <laughs> and yeah. when police officers checked the car they found out that there was actually a woman's body in there. Wow. Luckily, he didn't murder her. Was <laughs> But yeah, you know, like... She, she crawled up there herself and just passed away. The, it was his wife, aged oh, 38, boy. who died four hours earlier. And 
died from cancer. Police suspect, and we can probably think that they're right, her illness probably wasn't treated because her husband always made it really clear that he didn't believe in vaccinations and in any kind of drugs. Uh... And also said that he wanted to bury his wife in peace somewhere in nature. So he was on his way to just dig her down yes, somewhere. Exactly, which is with three children. Exactly, the, with his. Oh fuck! Mm-hmm, yeah. So uh, this is so. Yeah, as I said, like so many levels of wrong that it's already bordering on the absurd. And uh. he already compared COVID measures to the Holocaust. So he's actually arrested now um, because of the Holocaust denialism not because he wanted to bury his wife in nature but uh, that's also not something you you would do and that's also not something that's that's necessarily allowed depends on your state no i know in germany it's not i don't think it is no very rarely (laughs) so yeah there you go interesting things happening with people that don't believe in in covid measures and uh, the holocaust yeah, and they ask you sometimes, what's the harm of people believing in crazy stuff? But this is a harm. Yeah. Of course, yeah. we don't know what the chances would have been for his wife mm-hmm. to be cured if they had followed conventional medicine. Mm-hmm. We, we don't know that, of course. Yeah. But I can tell you, the chances would have been much greater. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, she ended up in the trunk mm-hmm. of her car yeah. or his With car. With his three and children in the car. I mean, they should really remove those children from him. Yes. He's obviously not fit to be a parent. That is, I mean, I almost said that's my professional opinion. Of course, it's not my professional opinion. That has to be decided by smarter people than me. But it sounds crazy that he can be allowed to raise these children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And subject them to to things like that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay, more nonsense than beliefs in conspiracy theories mm-hmm. this time. Mm-hmm. We have mentioned several times, I believe, over the years, the Estonia catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And that's not about the country, Estonia. Mm-hmm. It's about the ship called Estonia. That It was a, a big passenger ship, cruise ship, that went back and forth between Sweden and Tallinn in, in, in Estonia. That's why it was called that. Uh, and it was uh, many of those cruise ships, of course. It's a big one. It was a big one. It carried about a thousand people at the time in 1996, I want to say that it was. And um, it went under in the bad sea. 852 people died. So it was a big tragedy. It was only about 170 people survive- survivors. So most people there died. And I can tell you that. It was a big, uh, the majority of these people were Swedish and most Swedes that I know mm-hmm. has some relative or knows of somebody, a neighbor maybe or a friend's friend or so who was lost in the Estonia catastrophe. It was a big emotional scar still for Sweden, but also, of course, for people from Estonia. Mm-hmm. The inquiry that was done at the time found that the ship's bow door locks had failed, allowing water to gush into the place where they have all the cars. It was on its way from Tallinn in Estonia to Stockholm. Mm -hmm. And this is the biggest peacetime disaster involving European passenger ships 
since the Titanic went under in 1912. So it's our own Titanic disaster. Now, the original Joint Accident Commission from 1997 blamed, as I said, the accident on the failure of the bow visor. That's the part that opens up to let the cars out, really, when when you are in the, in the harbor. It, it, that opens upwards. Mm-hmm. And the official report said the bow visor had become loose in the heavy seas and gone down and resting on the top of the ramp. And the, the ramp is where what you use for the vehicles to... You, the vehicles run on the, or go on the ramp to go ashore. Mm-hmm. And since the ramp was also then crushed by the visor, it became open and a lot of water flooded the car deck until the whole ship uh, went down. It was in the middle of the night, uh, bad weather mm-hmm. and all of that. The actual visor was recovered at the time and has been investigated. It's You can actually, I believe you can go see it mm-hmm. uh, actually in Stockholm. But the, the, this ramp remained attached to the ship and went down with the ship. Now, over time, there's been a lot of conspiracy theories about this. People do not readily want to accept big things like this being just chance or bad luck or accident. There must be somebody behind this. A lot of people did not accept the official investigation, although I should say, I believe a majority of the relatives, they did actually accept it. But there was a small minority that has been very, very vocal over the years said this was somebody did this on purpose. There was a new documentary coming out in 2020. I think I've mentioned that as well. It received the Swedish Skeptics um, Confounder of the Year Award in 21 because it came with all of these conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and it didn't mention a lot of evidence that we know. And it was, you know, this worst kind of thing where did you were just asking questions things. And they actually went to the wreckage, which is on very far below the surface so it's hard but they did investigations on their own even though that's not allowed and they found among other things they made a big thing about they found a hole in the hull in the side of the boat Mm -hmm. or the ship and they said that could be the mark of the conspiracy that there was a submarine that was ramming the ship on purpose Mm -hmm. to bring it down first of all it's obviously a hole that happened when the ship sank mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's happened afterwards. And in any case, the hole is above the waterline. So we are talking about a flying submarine then in that case because <laughs> it was above the water. <laughs> Crazy things like that. Mm-hmm. The other thing that has happened is there was rumors about an explosion. So maybe this ramp that was went down with the ship, maybe it was blown open with explosives. And now, I'm coming to the news mm-hmm. this week, is that they have now retrieved this ramp mm-hmm. and they were going to investigate it again to make sure that there's not residual substances from this alleged bomb or explosive device. And I'm sure they will not find anything. <laughs> And But the reason they're doing this now is because of this documentary, so-called documentary that came two years ago, three years ago now. Uh, and, and again, what's the harm? The harm here is that a lot of people are being scared or led to believe that there's something behind this. There's somebody, someone is out to get you. That is basically the bottom line of all conspiracy theories. And it stops people from 
getting over. I mean, you don't get over your your grief, but but you can at least, as long as you think that somebody is lying, then it's very hard to put this behind you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm very sure that they will find nothing. And I'm also very sure that some people will not accept that, and they will say, "Well, there were still explosions. They're lying to us still." But anyway, that's what's going on. Sounds amazing. I mean, yeah, like, it's in a, a in a not positive way. Yeah, well, you can't make these things up. No. Yeah, we talked about absurd before. Um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> What we also talked about before is the climate crisis and the wildfires in Greece, and there are also fires in Italy. Yeah. Five people have died in Italy because of the heat waves. There are wildfires in the south, storms in the north. The fires in Sicily led to the temporary closure of Palermo Airport. Hmm. They had 47 degrees. That, wow. That's that's crazy. But we talk about climate crisis, right? This yeah, is exactly happening now. Mm-hmm. And you also have like secondary deaths. There's, there was, for example, um, and I want to explain what I mean by secondary, and that is that there was an 88-year-old woman who died because people couldn't reach her in time. So emergency services couldn't reach her in time to help her. She didn't die directly from like a fire, but she died because of the fire. And that's that's also what we have to calculate and, and put into the calculation when we talk about climate crisis deaths. We have like primary deaths, but we also have secondaries. Yeah. They had to close motorways. Videos I've seen, they it really looked a bit like this show or like the good omens where they break up the hellfire, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It's like it, it just really looked like it otherworldly. People died because of the fire, crushed by trees, because of the storm. They really had, let me be frank, a shit week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we, we know that that won't improve in the next years. No. We know that it will mean extreme weather, more extreme weather around the world. It won't stop at heat waves. Uh, there will be floods, there will be fires, and so on. Italy's uh, civil protection minister, Nello Musumeci, Um, Andras, please correct Andras, me if you listen are to you this. When we need you. <laughs> exactly. He said, and I quote, climate change is not just a contingency and Italy must realize that it now has a tropical climate, end quote. Yeah, I think so. And there was also a report coming out just the mm-hmm. other day. It was, on, it was actually today. It was published today on the 25th mm-hmm. from the World Weather Attribution Group. And mm-hmm. there are scientists there, and they made a, a rapid analysis of these recent events. Mm-hmm. And they found that the heat waves in part of Europe, but also mm-hmm. in North America, yeah. would have been almost impossible without climate change, mm-hmm. without human-caused yeah. climate change. Mm-hmm. They say, quote, the role of climate change is absolutely overwhelming, end quote. This is Frederike Otto of the mm-hmm. Grantham Institute for Climate Change and the Environment, Imperial College London. They say that blazes on the Greek mainland and islands have caused tens of thousands to flee. They sent the tourists scrambling for evacuation flights and prompting the prime minister to say that the country is, quote-unquote, at war with the climate. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's just Europe. We also have China, which we don't hear a lot about. We hear about the US, we hear mm-hmm. about uh, Europe. But in, in Beijing, the government urged the elderly to stay indoors, children mm-hmm. to shorten outdoor playtime and to reduce yeah. exposure to the heat. 
and uh, it's it's happening everywhere. Yeah, and we we know that there will be wars coming. Yeah, uh, real about wars, yeah. water, for example, about uh, yeah. better places to live because if if you're like too close to the coast, for example. We we also know that we have predicted that there will be this El Nino year this year, and there is the El Nino this year. Uh, it's this weather pattern that makes the whole globe warm up, and that ca- happens every second year or so, every or every third year. But it cannot be. What's happening now cannot be explained by just El Nino. That's what these experts are saying. So um, we know now that uh, this is here to stay. Mm -hmm. It is man-made and uh, people can deny it all they want. But uh, we are... We've said this. I mean, people have said this for decades. We have said it for at least the eight years that we almost have been around as a podcast. Everybody knows this and and we're not doing enough. Terrible. Yeah. I'm reading a novel about the Ice Age right now, and it's weird enough to to compare it to maybe our Middle Ages or 1820 or so, because that's already weird to not have glaciers in the middle of Europe for for like Ice Age people. But if you compare it to nowadays and then factor in that we created that, then this is just like uncomprehendable almost. Yeah. Yeah. Happy days. Exactly. Now that we're all happy and optimistic, I think we should put a nail into our coffin of the good mood and find out who's been really wrong this week. Yes. This week, it will go to someone who has received this award quite a few times already. This also has been sent in by our listener, Sanal. And I hope I didn't butcher the name (laughs) here. (laughs) If I did, please write again. (laughs) What happened this week is that Vladimir Putin signed laws banning gender changes in Russia. Hmm. So not only are medical interventions now outlawed, trans people also can't alter their gender details in public records anymore. Hmm. Plus, it also annuls marriages in which one person has, quote unquote, changed their gender. Wow. So even if you were married before, suddenly you're not married anymore. Mm -hmm. Plus, if you're a transgender person, you're not allowed to foster or adopt children anymore. Mm. So it's really a a big crusade. I'm surprised he has time to do more bad stuff while all the war's going on. Yes. Lawmakers have been heard saying or describing gender transitioning as pure Satanism. And they... uh, they Hang on, hang on. If you're a law person, Mm -hmm. why do you talk about religion? That's a good question. That's not your area. Please stick to the laws. Yes. Thank you. What they also say is they want to focus on traditional family values. Also not something for lawyers Mm -hmm. to do. Exactly. But, and that's also not something for lawyers to do, they are supported by the Russian Orthodox Church. Yeah, of course. Kirill. Mm -hmm, Again. mm -hmm. Mm. And it's horrible. I feel so sad and and horrified by that hmm. actually when i read this i of course I, as a german i don't want to compare everything to the holocaust but i'm like if he's doing that if it's like banning changing a person's gender in documents banning them from medical interventions annulling marriages where is it going to next where where is it leading so i feel really horrified by that i feel really sad and bad about that 
I think it just, I just want to end this by saying Vladimir Putin and his government receive this week's prize for being fucking horribly, really wrong. Again. Again. <laughs> yes. Not for the first time. Ay, ay, ay. Do you think we have to send him something, a, a, a sort of a prize or something? Yes, yes, so he probably. Get, because I'm not sure. He, I, I think he listened to the first episode, but then I think he, he dropped out. So he <laughs> yeah, may so not. Probably... He may, may not know that we are keep yeah. giving him this pr these prizes. Yeah, oh. we should we should send him a reminder. Yeah, well, let's do that. The rusty Russian razor or something. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha Go to QED. We haven't yes. mentioned QED today, but we... we exactly, should. but we have to. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> One QED <laughs> per episode. <laughs> yeah, but there you go. That's a really wrong price or award this week. And now I would like to find out, Pontus, do we have a word of the week? Yes, we do. Actually, two Swedish words mm -hmm. of the week. And uh, just fun. I hope just to lighten the mood a little bit. After all the disasters and the evil stuff going on in the world, mm -hmm. let's let's do that. I would almost love to have a guess what they mean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do that. So the first word is slagruta. Do you have a guess? That sounds for me like a piece of wood that you hit someone with. So, oh, yeah. That is close, but you don't hit anyone. But it okay. is a piece of wood, most mm -hmm. commonly. Could be a metal as well. Mm -hmm. No, slagruta means dowsing rod or divining oh, rod. Yeah. So, so it's a it's a compound word. So mm -hmm. it poses of slag and ruta, and that's I guess what you you uh, yeah I, I picked was up thinking about slagrute, which is like <laughs> yeah okay. So so slag means hit or throw or move. It it's mm -hmm. actually quite. You can have a quite different interpretations mm -hmm. of that word, but uh, slog is about hi not hitting necessarily, but mm -hmm. also that. So it's something that moves. Let's put it that. Mm -hmm. And ruta, in this case, it's a little bit strange because mm -hmm. normally ruta in, in Swedish means a square, mm -hmm. like a tile or, or something like that. But in this case, I guess it comes from more archaic sense of something that is crossed. So it's a cross. So you know how a, a, a traditional dowsing rod can be two sticks that cross each other. And then you, when you get close to water, it starts to move like uh, crazy because you found water. And uh, we all know that it's all about the idiomotor effect. Unconsciously, you find this water. And especially, it's mostly water where it's used because... Mm -hmm. Normally, if you dig enough, far enough, you will find water. So it always in seems Sweden, to work. Yes. <laughs> in Sweden, depending where you are. Yeah, depending where you are. But uh, it's very often that it works or seems mm -hmm. to work. Yeah. So that, that's the first word, slagruta. Mm -hmm. And the next, next word is rutgängare. <laughs> I would guess that someone who does go on these dowsing walks. Because Correct. It sounds, yeah, it sounds like gängare, it sounds like gang, like walking. Yes. And root is like the tool again, like the dowsing tool. Exactly. Maybe. Exactly. <laughs> so a little bit a little bit archaic gängare is somebody who walks. It's not a word. So it could be if I say gängare only, it, people in Sweden would understand it as a pedestrian, somebody who walks mm -hmm. on foot. <laughs> yeah. Uh but in olden days it was used more 
there are other uh, there are uh, fotgängare for instance that yeah, is fotgängare in german <laughs> yeah yeah that is that is a literal so pedestrian somebody mm-hmm. who walks on their feet yeah same so rutgängare is somebody who walks with this uh, slagruta to find uh, water so it's actually a profession you can mm-hmm. be a professional rutgängare and i i believe you can even make money on it even if it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and gängare, you got you got it as as a, a German. I think it's re- if we talk about English, closest I can think of is the word gangway. The first part of that gang is gang mm. because, of course, you can't see that when you're list- just listening. But gängare is spelled with a G mm. in front, so G and an A with two dots over it, and mm. gare gängare. So it's close to gang. The root is the same as gang, as mm-hmm. in gangway, people who's walking. Yeah. So that's it for today on the word of the week. Slagruta, mm-hmm. which means divining rod or dowsing rod. And rutgängare, who means a person who uses such a device. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really happy that I could guess that because it shows me again how closely Full related mark. languages are. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for that, Pontus. Thank you. That's really cool. And that, of course, brings us basically to the end of the show. But I don't want to let anyone go without a quote. Yes, and this week's quote we kind of had before. Not that shortly. It was a bit longer. But it's just so good and so succinct that I did want to use it again. I mean, recycling is good for the environment. We're all for recycling. (laughs) Exactly. There there you go. Please download some older episodes and recycle those. Yes, exactly. (laughs) If If you're bored need some podcasts to listen to while you're commuting to work or knitting a scarf for your grandmother, be our guest, listen to old episodes Mm -hmm. and to the newest ones, of course. But Mm -hmm. the quote is, of course, by the one and only Rosalind Franklin. Mm -hmm. Science, for me, gives a partial explanation for life. Insofar as it goes, it is based on fact, experience and experiment. End quote. Very good. As we said before. Brilliant scientist. Mm-hmm. She should have been around a lot longer. Yes. And she would have continued to deliver fantastic science, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, uh, she's, she's one of these people that we also have to talk more about because we know how, how much representation matters. Mm-hmm. If little girls like my daughter hear about female scientists, then there won't be thinking that what's a scientist like oh it's a male white person because Mm. that's not what it is and that's also not what it should be because we need everyone to to be able to be a scientist and not disqualify themselves from the start because they think they don't belong there right no we need all the brilliant brains out there yes give us brains we're we're the zombies of science Yeah, but this now really concludes the show. Thank you, Pontus, for recording with me. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Thank you to our listeners, too, for coming back week after week. And until next week, goodbye. Hello. Tschüss. Bis Bis lat.
This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rob and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. You're asking the wrong person. Oh, I Andras have to. Have... <laughs> Time out. We have to. We can't yeah. get that wrong. Andras will kill us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lawmakers have been. Oh God, sorry. Again.